Several people in the choir told me over the last week or so that I'm going to love the song that they sang uh, for the uh, anthem, uh, Mighty Fortress, and that was tremendous, absolutely tremendous, great. And you included, or it was included in that song, the, the line, thy, hymn, uh, thy hope above all earthly power, and, and it's that hope that we want to focus on in our message this morning. Sometimes a particular biblical story reminds me of a particular life experience, and today's gospel reading is one of those. When I arrived at the church that I was called to pastor in Florida a number of years ago, I was introduced right away to my church secretary, Donna. And Donna greeted me the way that she greets everybody. It is so good to see you, she said. Now that doesn't sound like an unusual greeting, except for the fact that Donna is blind. She literally can't see anyone. I can tell you that my eyes were really opened by seeing how God works in some incredible ways the more I got to know her. Shortly after I got to that church, Donna enrolled in the deaconess training program at Valparaiso. When she completed that training, we transitioned her to be the director of, com- of congregational care in our congregation, and she held on to that position until she retired. Donna was one of our regular lay readers on Sunday morning. In the early years, she would carry large sheets up to the lectern that she had typed out in Braille, the scriptures, and she would read those. Later on, she carried a device that was kind of like a laptop almost. It had a Braille touchpad to it. When we built our new sanctuary, there were four large steps going up to the lectern, and for weeks... Donna and her dog Phyllis would practice maneuvering those steps so she could continue as one of our lay readers. I never asked her, but one day she told me. She wasn't born blind, but within the first couple years of her life, her family started to notice that there must be some impairment to her eyesight, and sure enough, by the time she was in her late teens, she completely had lost all vision. Not only was Donna blind, but she married a man who had contracted polio when he was in fourth grade. The effects of the polio limited David's mobility even up into his adulthood. He walked with arm crutches until his muscles were too weak, and then he transitioned to a motorized scooter. Well, let me fast forward the story quite a bit till later on, As I was there, David got pneumonia and was hospitalized. Because he was weakened by the polio, his lungs collapsed and he was put on a ventilator. All this happened much earlier than either one of them ever anticipated, and so they spent the last few days with David in the hospital saying their final goodbyes. I say that they spent days saying their final goodbyes, but that kind of communication wasn't easy for either of them. Since David had a tube down his throat, he couldn't talk. Since Donna was blind, she couldn't see. 
She could talk to him, but he couldn't respond verbally. He could shake his head one way or the other, but she couldn't see that. Imagine their frustration. One day, though, Donna brought to the hospital one of her Braille alphabet cards. David would hold her finger over the letter, and letter by letter, word by word, he would spell out what he wanted to communicate to her. She could verbally respond to that. And as they reminded each other of God's eternal promises to each one, as they said their final goodbyes, <clears throat> they wore out the indentations on two Braille alphabet cards in their last final days. I share that story with you because when I read what we read in John chapter 9 here, where the disciples come to Jesus and they point to a man who's blind and said, who sinned, this man or his parents? I can't imagine asking that question. I think of somebody like Donna and I can't imagine standing before them and say, what did you do wrong? Notice how Jesus responded back to the disciples. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in the man's life. Who sinned? The man or his parents? That's not the question. A ridiculous question. That's not the, that's not the point here at all. In fact, Jesus makes the point that maybe all too often we're blind to our own sin. Is there sin in our life? Absolutely there is. Need we even ask that question? In fact, it may not be right for me to think of the disciples this way, but, but I wonder, I wonder if the disciples asked that question about who sinned, the man or his parents, so as not to recognize sin in their own life. Because isn't that what happens quite a bit? I don't know about you, but I would much rather talk about what's not right in other people's life than come to terms with that in my own life. It's not surprising to us then that Jesus says in this reading, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Oh, how easy it is for us to be blind to the sin in our own life, and that's the point, isn't it? But you see, in this story, <clears throat> the real focus of it also becomes this incredible miracle that takes place. Jesus spits on the ground, and with his saliva and dirt, makes a mixture of mud and wipes it on the man's eyes, and the man sees. Now, we can't imagine that there was anything particularly miraculous about the saliva or the dirt or the mud or the water at the pool of Siloam where the man went to wash his eyes, but absolutely there was something miraculous here. The man could see. But it wasn't just the miracle of giving the man physical sight the man also received spiritual sight as well. Jesus said to the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is this, sir? Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. You see, this too is a part of this incredible miracle that happens in this story. Here this man not only received physical sight, 
but he received spiritual sight whereby he confessed, Lord, I believe. And that gave him hope. And it's that hope that still opens the eyes of faith for people today. In fact, I think that's the very point of the words of Psalm 46 that we recited at the beginning of our worship service. You see, even if the earth gives way, even if mountains fall into the heart of the sea, even if waters roar and foam, even if nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall, even if, even if your 401k plan is worth less today than it was a year ago, even if you have been ready to get your son or daughter off to college and just as they get ready to start, you lose your job, even if you've been playing your best all year in your senior year of high school, counting on that college scholarship in the fall, but an injury happens and you're out for the rest of the season, even if, even if you or I find ourselves in any of these circumstances, we still have hope. How is that? Because God is our refuge and strength. When your world suddenly gets turned upside down, when a loved one unexpectedly dies, God is your refuge and strength. When you had no idea that a family member was dealing with an addiction until there was an overdose, God is your refuge and strength. Why? Because the Lord Almighty is with you, and the God of Jacob is your fortress, and that gives you hope. This weekend in our worship, we are obviously recognizing a historical occasion in the history of our church that we call the Reformation. And we sang together and the choir sang the, a mighty fortress written by Martin Luther based on the words of Psalm 46. And maybe sometimes we think in our life, especially when things are, are particularly difficult, maybe we think, you know, it must have been easier for, for Luther in his day to, to hold on by faith and to have that hope. But that was absolutely not the case. Actually, in his earlier years, Luther was so overwhelmed by a sense of guilt for his sin that he was in complete despair and felt hopeless. But the turning point for him was when he realized that what the Scripture actually says is that the righteousness of God is given to us by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ has made us right with God, and we hold on to that by faith, and that gives you hope. Jesus, who sacrificed his life for you. Jesus, who offered his life in our place on the cross. Jesus, who overcame the power of death and returned to life. Jesus, who in his death and resurrection displays acceptance for all of his people. Jesus, who gives you forgiveness and offers you hope. Jesus opened the eyes of faith for Martin Luther. 
And that's why he said, and that's why we say, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Because of what Jesus did, we have hope. Why was the man born blind? Why did Donna lose her sight? Why did Martin Luther struggle with living with a sense of peace with God? Maybe Jesus answers that question for the disciples and for all of us. This happened so that the works of God may be revealed in your life. And when God is at work in your life through Jesus Christ, that gives you hope. A few years ago, I met a young man by the name of Jake Olson. At the time I met him, Jake was 18 years old and a senior at Orange Lutheran High School in Orange, California. Shortly after Jake was born, the doctors identified that cancer was growing in his left eye. They tried to do a number of things to save his eye, but by the time he was eight months old, it was decided that it would be best to remove his left eye in hopes that cancer would not spread to his right eye. Unfortunately, about the time that Jake was eight or nine years old, cancer indeed did emerge in his right eye, and after a series of treatments, his right eye was also removed in his early teens. Without any sight at all, Jake was a straight A, um, had straight A grade point average throughout school. He enjoyed things like skiing and surfing and playing the guitar and golf. He said that he actually could read the contours of the green with his feet before he would putt. Jake played on his high school football team as a long snapper. In fact, he was recruited by the University of Southern California to play football for them in the same position. When Jake talks about what happened in his life, he says that he believes that sometimes God allows setbacks in order for a setup of something else that God is going to do in your life. Losing his eyesight, he said, absolutely was a setback. But he believes that God has used that as a setup for him to literally experience God at work in his, way, in his life in ways he never imagined. For the man born blind, for my friend Donna, for Jake Olson, for all of us, because of what Jesus did, we can say, this happened so that the works of God could be revealed in your life. And that gives you hope. Maybe it's a physical ailment. Maybe it's a financial loss. Maybe it's someone who has disappointed you in life. Maybe it's an unfulfilled dream, an unanswered prayer, an unexpected loss. Whatever it is, Jesus has connected to you in life, and it gives you hope. And so maybe the question for us, as we are recipients of that, maybe the question for us is who do we look at in our life? Who is it that God may place into our life? 
that we too can connect Jesus with them so that they have hope. And as that happens, person by person, I think the message of the Reformation continues. In Jesus' name, amen.